flying along on a Friday edition of the Kenny and JT Show. Thanks for hanging out with us. And uh, a busy day, a lot going on. We've got the Super Bowl this weekend. We're going to talk about that next, along with Joe Thomas will be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame this August in Canton, Ohio, as it was announced last night at the NFL Honors Show, one of nine members in the class of 2023. And to break all of this down each and every Friday, we love having this guy on the show, one of the best in the business when it comes to covering the Browns as well as the NFL. Check him out at brownzone.com. Follow him on Twitter at Scott Petrak. He is Scott Petrak. Scotty, how are you today? I'm good. What's going on, guys? A lot going on, Scotty, and the biggest news of them all, uh, a reason for Browns fans to finally celebrate. No, it's not the Super Bowl, but the next best thing, you get a player going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame representing your team by the name of Joe Thomas. Your thoughts on uh, when you found out last night he was a first ballot Hall of Famer? Yeah, it really is a big deal. Um, You know, I, I think it would be for any team and any fan base, but for one, like the Browns, with just no positive history, right? Since yeah. it, the, you know it's come back in 1999, yeah. I think it means even more. And the fact that Joe spent his whole career in Cleveland, and the fact that he wanted to spend his whole career here, right? And he made himself such a part of the community. And you know the fact that his first ballot just shows what an elite talent and player he was. So I, I think it's a really big deal, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun uh, that first weekend in August. Scotty, the new season starts, I believe, the first week in March. I don't know when the schedules come out, but we assume, and we talked about this last week, that if Joe Thomas gets elected for induction into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, it would only make sense that the Browns play in the Hall of Fame game. I, for one, think it's a great thing because you get the extra week of practice to get ready for the season, and we all know we need that. When will we know whether or not, and they have to make themselves available, don't they, to play in the Hall of Fame game? Um, you know, that's a great question. I'm working under the assumption it's going to be the Browns and the Jets. Uh, you know, the Jets had two people in or get two people, you know, selected last night for the Hall of Fame. I know their writers were expect to be here. Um, I would, the Browns make all the sense in the world. You know, usually we don't get the schedule until, you know, April or May. I, you know, right. switch if it's before or after the draft. Um, we might get that announcement earlier given you know, the Hall of Fame enshrinement. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I, I don't think the Browns would turn it down. Uh, you know, it's I don't think that extra week of practice makes that big a difference. Um, and really it's up to the team if they right. show up to camp a week early or just a few days earlier than normal. Um, you know, and it, the difference is obviously the third pre or the fourth preseason game was cut across the league. This is the only time anybody plays a fourth game. So, you know, the Browns would have that. But, you know, given their philosophy, I'm sure they would. You know, manage reps, and I'm, I would doubt you'd see any big time players play. Scotty, when you think of Joe Thomas, what comes to mind first and foremost for you covering the team? Yeah, there's so much, Kenny, but first and foremost, I would say it's the streak snap, <laughs> the snap streak. Um, yeah. You know, and that's what Joe's most proud of. You know, I talked to him last week, and we talked about that and all the things he'd gone through to continue that streak. And it wasn't just. You know, it wasn't like he was doing it to glorify himself. You know, it wasn't, oh, my gosh, you got the streak going. No, he appreciated that, and he was really proud of it. But it was all about being there for his teammates. And he felt like he gave him the best chance to win, and that was his job was to be out there, and it just spoke to his work ethic and determination and upbringing and all those things. Um, so I would start there. But, 
you know, then you talk about the talent and the footwork that he had and the hand placement that he had. And then uh, what a good guy he was. You know, I was telling somebody today that when I, you know, I covered all of Joe's career. But at the beginning, it kind of, you know, part of me was like, man, is this, is this guy really authentic? You know, is this genuine that he's this right. nice? And he, it really is. I mean, he's just that nice a guy. He always made time for everybody. I remember during his career, he would talk like every day to the media. Now, you know, a lot of big-time players talk once a week. He'd be in his locker every day. It didn't matter if he'd answered the same question from 10 other guys. Um, he would stand there and answer it from you uh, and give it thought. Um, he just really is. I mean, I, I think that's one of the reasons that this is so exciting for, you know, the team and the fans is that he's a guy you can like um, because, he's, because he really is that likable. It's good for the team. It's good for the fans for, if no other reason, we finally get a Hall of Fame weekend here in Stark County that's not littered with, and I'm sorry to offend anyone, a bunch of Pittsburgh Steelers fans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I even actually, I'm looking forward to because I've never been down to the enshrinement, but right, you've seen other teams, other franchises and their fan bases, you know, descend on Canton. And the Browns mm-hmm. haven't had that opportunity. You know, I mean, you know, Ozzy was relatively recent, but yep. Ozzy had such a Ravens tinge to him by then, right? Because he mm-hmm. spent so much time in the front office in Baltimore that I think that affected um, his induction a little bit. And, and that's what's different about Joe. Joe is all Browns. Right. And I think that makes it even more special. I would say that if there's ever a time, and we've seen this in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, that there's a guy that was in a band and then he gets inducted as a solo artist, I would say that if there's anybody up for induction twice into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, it would be Ozzie Newsom because you talk about two separate careers, and you see Ozzie, and we've seen him a couple of times at the Hall of Fame. Kenny, were you with me and I saw him at the Hall of Fame? He's no, representing the Ravens. I mean... Ozzy Newsom, I, did I call him Ozzy Osbourne? I might have because I'm thinking of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Ozzy Newsom is a Raven through and through. I don't think he'd ever turn his back on Browns fans, but he is a Raven. Yeah, I mean it's it's an interesting discussion. I mean, he spent his whole playing career here, and he started here, you know, in the I think he was a coach first, but then in the scouting department, you know, with Bill Belichick, and um, you know, I've always kind of lived around Berea, and I remember watching Ozzy after he's retired working for the team, and he'd be jogging through. Berea and down to the Metro Park. So he was, like, he was here. I mean, when I was a kid and a teenager, I remember going to the stadium and watching the Browns play and watching Ozzy continue his catch streak, right? So, um, I don't know if it's sad because he's had a great career and he's won Super Bowls and he became, you know, a trailblazing general manager with the Ravens. So I understand why, why and how that's such a big part of his career. But you're right, there is a, a whole separate part is, you know, one of the game's best tight ends that was all Browns, and a lot of that is overshadowed. So it's interesting. Obviously, they don't do that where they induct the guy twice, but mm-hmm. um, it's interesting because there are, like, these two separate paths that he's kind of lived. They don't induct somebody twice because I don't know until now anybody's worthy of it. Yeah, yeah that's to look and I don't know, yeah. you know, if, it, if I don't, you know, I it be worth looking up to see if all his front office things are on the plaque, you know, the right. Hall of Fame plaque. They're probably Good not. Good point. I don't think right. so either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a great point. Scott Petrack, our guest via the uh, hotline. Scotty, you can follow him on Twitter, at Scott Petrack. Also, uh, check out his work daily at brownzone.com. Talking about Joe Thomas. Last night it was announced he will be part of the class of 2023 for the Pro Football Hall of Fame here in August in Canton, Ohio. And, Scotty, more, more on Joe 
how uh, how good must he be to be a first ballot Hall of Famer when it's hard to evaluate offensive linemen, especially on a losing franchise for 10 out of the 11 years that he played. So how, how good must he be that he's a no-brainer first ballot guy? I think it's a great point, Kenny. And it's not just 10 Pro Bowls, right? I mean, those look great on the resume. And, you know, at the six first-team All-Pros, to me, is more meaningful. Yeah. And I think, you you know, voters look at that and they think, okay, that's really important and impressive. But if you watched him play and, you know, we know that, players that played with him and against him. And we know front office people that watched him and scouts and all that. He was just at another level. And that showed through all the losing. It showed through all the changes. It showed through the 20 starting quarterbacks that he was charged with protecting. And I talked to Joe Batonio this week, and he said he thinks the way that Joe played, the high level that he played at, was so much more impressive because you have all these different quarterbacks. So it's not like you know that you know Tom Brady is dropping to seven yards, and you just have to keep the defensive end from there. Because you had a different guy who's blocking for all the time. They all have different drops. Um, none of them, you know, he never played with a Brady or a Manning or a Breeze, where they got rid of the ball so quickly that it took some of the pressure off a left tackle. And you throw on top of that, they're usually losing, so you get into the fourth quarter and you're throwing it all the time, right? You're not running out the clock. You're not just running the ball. You're throwing, trying to catch up, and that puts all kinds of pressure on your left tackle because the defensive end just says, oh, I'm going to go get the quarterback. So for Joe to hold up, and not even hold up, for Joe to excel under all those circumstances, it obviously, and deservingly so, superseded the fact that he never went to the playoffs and he had one winning season, which obviously was not in his control. Lost in all of that is the fact that he might have been the most loyal player to ever put on a Cleveland uniform. I don't care what the sport is. This guy refused to trade, right? Yeah, it was interesting. He told a story at the Greater Cleveland Sports Awards, and then I followed up with him when I talked to him last week. Um, you know, he never wanted to be traded. They were like, he never, that was never his wish. But Peyton Manning texted him, and then I think they talked on the phone, when their left tackle got hurt, the Broncos' left tackle, when they were being good, when they were good and going to Super Bowl, and said, hey, you get yourself traded. You know, if you have to go <laughs> use some kind of profane, if you have to go do something to the general manager's desk, go do it um, so you can get traded. And Joe just wouldn't do it. Even though it's Peyton Manning wow. saying, hey, look at this, and there's a road to the Super Bowl, Joe said, no, I'm going to stay with Browns teams that were in a rebuild, right? They finished 1-31 in in his final two years, and he said, no. He goes, I want to be here. And now he says, looking back on it, he's even more glad because he can say – he spent his whole career here, and he thinks moving forward, the number of Hall of Famers who spent their entire career with one team will diminish, right? We used to see it. It was all the time back in the day, right, before mm-hmm. free agency. But now, I mean, even if you watch Tom Brady, mm-hmm. he switches teams. Aaron Rodgers is likely switching teams, or at least could be switching teams this offseason. So it, it just doesn't happen nearly as much as it used to, and Joe's really proud of it. All right, let's pivot from Joe Thomas, who is a Hall of Famer, to which players on this current roster do you think, Scotty Petrak, have a chance at being Hall of Famers, if any, for the Browns? No, it's, it's interesting. You know, I was thinking about Joel Batonio just because I talked to him this week. Five straight Pro Bowls, right? So it's halfway to Joel's total. Um, right. I, you know, Joel's got years left to play. Um, and Andrew Barry, when he talks about Joel Batonio, 
talks with him about being a future or at least potential future Hall of Famer. So does Joe Thomas. I mean, I've talked to Joe about it, and he thinks Joel is the best guard in the league and is on that trajectory. Now, he got a little late start being a pro bowler. Uh, you know, he was hurt early in his career and then has been Mr. Durable since then. So he needs to continue this run, you know, maybe another three or four years. You know, if you get nine Pro Bowls, and I think Joe Batonio is, has a strong case for the Hall of Fame. And I think playing with Joe for a couple of years would probably strengthen that case. Uh, you know, I think about Miles Garrett. He's got big numbers. He's got huge talent, number one pick. He's not there yet, but if you put, you know, if he gets that defensive player of the year or a couple of those um, and the Browns start to win, then I think that helps his case. I think you got to keep an eye on him. And then Nick Chubb, you know, he's just he's the best players on this team and top three in the NFL, you know, rushing title three, um, three years in a row, three out of the past four years. Um, you know, Nick's on that trajectory as well. You know, if, you, if you're the best player at your position for a few years, and I think Nick is in that discussion, then I think it's certainly not outrageous to think, okay, could he be a Hall of Famer? But again, a lot of it's longevity. How long can you do it? Scotty, I don't know what the numbers are going to show at the post at the end of this season, but when we look at the changes in the coaches, not only head coaches, but a lot of these coordinators are moving around too. And one of the other big stories with the Browns last week, Joe Woods gets hired almost immediately by the New Orleans Saints. And it makes me wonder, when you look back at this past season, and maybe the season before that as well, or, you know, what was he here, three years, Joe Woods gets hired almost immediately by the New Orleans Saints. And it takes me back to the question, was this a problem of personnel? Was it scheme? Maybe a little bit of both? Because we see these other coordinators, Byron Leftwich. He was an offensive coordinator. I think he won a Super Bowl. He gets fired. He hasn't been rehired anywhere. Why Joe Woods? Why the Saints? Yeah, well, I mean, the reason is the Saints is because he worked with Dennis Allen, the head coach. Okay. They were together for a year in Oakland. I think it was 2014. Allen was the head coach. Uh, Woods worked for him, so they have a relationship. Allen is going to continue to call the plays. He's a defensive guy. It's going to be his system. But Woods gets to keep that title, so it's good for Woods. Um, you know, it's not quite a lateral movement, but if you get to keep that title, then okay. um, that's important. You know, when you look at assistant coaches and you look at staffs. So, you know, I, I do think part of it was personnel. I think part of it was Joe Woods. Uh, but, you know, he's been a coordinator before. He's won with Denver for a little bit. Um, you know, and even when the Browns fired him, Kevin Stefanski said he's going to land on his feet. So I don't think Joe was the disaster that some fans wanted to portray him as, but I still think it was the right move to move on from him, given the fact that they underachieved for two straight years. You need some changes need to be made. All right. Give me an update on Miles Garrett's uh, Sergeant Hulka, his big toe there. What the <laughs> hell happened? How bad is it? Should uh, Is this something that could linger? Ju- I remember Jack Lambert had to retire because of to- turf toe. So uh, where are yeah. we at with Miles Garrett? No, it doesn't seem to be bad. X-rays are negative. Um, I actually saw a video clip of him on radio radio row at the Super Bowl, and he picked up one of the uh, – you know, radio guys and was like carrying him in a like fireman's lift. So um, he looks to be fine. Uh, you know, it was a little scary that he had to pull up at the end of that obstacle course, but uh, I don't think it's going to be anything. And, you know, the Browns, they don't practice again for three months. So I don't think it's anything to be concerned about. What about his shoulder? Is he going to have uh, sh- surgery or no? No, it, I mean, he, he was trying to avoid it. And, you know, we're a month past the season now. 
and he did not have it. So that leads me to believe that huh. he will not have it and that he was going to be able to avoid it. But I don't know that 100%. All right, let's turn to the game this weekend, Super Bowl 57, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, let's start with the Chiefs in your eyes, Scotty. Um, the uh, announcement last night, MVP for the second time in six years, goes to uh, the quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, what what do you see uh, as the Chiefs' chances this weekend against the Eagles, and how do they win if they do? Yeah, I, mean, I think they have a good chance because you have Patrick Mahomes and you have Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones, and you know, I could name a couple other guys on that roster, but it starts with Patrick Mahomes. And to me, the big question, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, is how much does that high ankle sprain limit him? And he obviously was able to make enough plays to beat the Bengals and to beat the Jaguars the week before, but he wasn't himself. And you could see him limited. I don't think he got out of the pocket as much as he normally would, even though he had the big scramble at the end, the huge, you know, the pivotal scramble at the end. And I just think he needs to be close to 100% for the Chiefs to have their best chance. And even, I would say, a good chance to beat the Eagles because I think the Eagles are more talented. But, you know, so many of these games come down to best quarterback, best coach, right? And I think the Chiefs have the advantage in both those matchups, and I think it's relatively significant. I think Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league, and I think Andy Reid's one of the top, whatever, two or three coaches in the league. So I think that matters, and that's why I think the Chiefs have – a legitimate chance, and they have talents across the roster, and they have the best tight end in football, right? So there's reasons to like the Chiefs. Having said that, I still think the Eagles overall have a more complete, well-rounded roster, and that's why I think they're going to prevail in the end. What a season it was, too, because at the beginning, you probably would have looked at the AFC West and say, top to bottom, best division in all of football. But at the end of the season, you might look at the NFC East and say, it might have been better. Yeah, I mean, that's true. If you look at all the teams that got into the playoffs, um, you know, there's three coming out of the NFC East. The West, you know, I think the biggest surprise in the West was Russell Wilson and the Broncos being as bad as they were, right? People thought that they could be a Super Bowl contender, and they never turned into that. But, you know, the Eagles had a dominant season all year, right? They lost one game when Hurts played quarterback for him, when he was a starting quarterback. Now, you know, I said there's a big drop-off from Mahomes to Hurst, um, to Hertz, but you know he was he played an MVP level this year as well. So the question is that Mahomes has done this in the Super Bowl, right? He's got the experience. Hertz doesn't. So uh, you know, that's the question for me: is how does Hertz handle it? If they get behind, can he throw it enough? Like those are the questions I have about the Eagles. But I think they're really talented. They have two big time receivers. They have better offensive line and defensive line than the Chiefs do. Like there's a lot to like. Plus, their scheme offensively is different, right? They run the ball. They quarterback run it. They RPO. And and I think that's going to be difficult for the Chiefs defense to handle. Um, And and they get after the quarterback. You know, they sack the quarterback 70 times. If Mahomes has, you know, if his escapability is limited at all, which I would expect it to be, I think that plays into the Eagles' hands. All right, so when you look at these two teams, Scott Petrack, okay, and I'm with you, I, I have the Eagles uh, winning this game as well. Um, how far away, then, are the Browns from either one of these two teams, in your opinion? Yeah, it's tough. I think they're – I got a couple thoughts. 
if Deshaun Watson plays like he did in 2020, then I don't think they're that far away because he's not Patrick Mahomes and he wasn't Patrick Mahomes, but nobody is. You know, I think Deshaun Watson in 2020 was probably better than, I don't know if I'm right about this, but he was on the same level at least of Jalen Hurts in 2022, right? So that okay. gives you a chance. If your quarterback plays at a top five level, you got a chance to win a bunch of games and you got a chance to make a run in the postseason. Now, Watson's got a long way to go, given what we saw the last six games, to get back to that level. But I think that would be the hope for the organization and the fans is, all right, if your quarterback is really, really good, you can win a bunch of games. Now, when you look at the whole roster, like I think the Browns have a playoff caliber roster. I don't think, or I know, that it's not the caliber of the Eagles. And part of that's because the Eagles have, you know, the quarterback on a rookie contract. Part of it is because Howie Roseman, the GM, has made a bunch of really good moves. But they're just deeper and more complete from top to bottom. And I think that's where the Browns have to close the gap, not just on the Eagles, but the Bengals and the Chiefs, um, because we saw the holes that were there this season. Now, I'm not saying they can't be cleaned up in one-off season, and I think they can, and I think then they can be in the discussion. But first you have to see it. Can they get defensive tackles to change a game, right? Do they get better at linebacker? Do they get the receiver that complements Amari Cooper? Um, those things need to happen before I feel comfortable saying the Browns are right there. But I, I think they're playoff caliber. I just don't know if I'm ready to say – I know I'm not ready to say they're Super Bowl caliber. All right, I'm going to give you some advice, Scotty, because I was told I wasn't here. I was off for my birthday, uh, and JT invited you to, to stay with him uh, <laughs> during Hall of Fame week, okay? Do you like dogs, first of all, Scotty? I'm not a big dog fan. Oh, boy, you're out. Uh-oh, uh-oh. It's a French bulldog, man. She'll kiss you to death. That's all right. Yes, uh, yeah, you'll, you'll be fine then. Yeah. Lucy's, uh, Lucy's awesome. You'll, you'll, you'll love Lucy, all right? And how tall are you? How tall are you, Scotty? I'm like 6'4". Oh, boy. 6'4". Oh. Do you mm-hmm. have a bed tall enough for him, JT? I think JT? so, yeah. <laughs> okay, Spare all right. room. Okay, all right. Yeah, we, we got both lights <laughs> down there, right? Of course we do. We got everything, baby. We're, we're ready for you. And the other thing is, because JT is Mr. Canton and Mr. Nightclub, uh, you, you, you'll probably uh, be able to, to hang out with him till, uh they, they shut the lights yeah, off. Yeah, we got to uh, brush up on your uh, DJ skills, Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> I, got a, I got a unique move on the dance floor. Nice. Yeah. Oh, there you, then you're fine. You're good. So I, then I don't need to give you any hey. other advice uh, other than Listen, be uh, ready to stay up late. All kidding aside, when you get down here, you're going you're gonna to be amazed by the changes yeah. out here. Hall of Fame Village, along with uh, Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium. And, you know, we get the USFL here in a couple of weeks, Scotty. This is going to yeah. be incredible. Yeah, I'm really looking. I mean, I was down there for, you know, the Bronx practice down there um, mm-hmm. during the offseason program. So I was down there, and I hadn't been there in a while, but I didn't get to walk around um, the, the museum. So, I'm, you know, I'm sure there's going to be a million updates with Joe, right? The bus mm-hmm. and the this and the that and whatever, display cases. So I'm sure I'll be down there a lot between now and August, and I'm looking forward to it because it's been a while since I soaked it all in. Well, you'll enjoy it. should be a lot of fun, and you got a place to crash, uh, courtesy of JT. Right. We always appreciate you making time for us uh, every Friday here on the Kenny and JT Show. Thanks, guys. Scott Petrak checking in, giving you the lowdown on Joe Thomas. Great stuff on why he thinks – uh, he was a first ballot Hall of Famer. And again, check him out every day at brownzone.com and on Twitter at Scott Petrack.